Uh, if you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Simplicity, or decluttering, however you want to say it. Luke chapter 12, starting verse 13. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 34. This is a story that our Lord gives. It's pretty interesting here. Starting in verse 13. It says, and, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, I'll get this. He says, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Now let me stop right there. It's interesting that, that a, a Hebrew would, would ask the Lord uh, to intervene in what we know has already been given out on how to divide an inheritance in the law. It's, I mean, the law was the, very detailed on everything uh, uh, for the uh, of the aspect of a, of a Hebrew. Uh, God made sure that every detail of every part of their life was written down on what they were supposed to do and what they weren't supposed to do. Why he wanted him to intervene, I don't know. But because of this, and, and it's interesting, I would hate to be on this side of things because because of his question, the Lord goes into this parable here. He goes in, he starts giving him, uh, giving everybody this, this illustration. I'd hate to be the one to, to, that the Lord had to do that with. You know, I'm sure that guy kind of just, you know, put his head down and, and stepped back out of the way again. At least I would have. It, it would have been an embarrassment for me. But this, this question that this man gives the Lord uh, is why the Lord's giving this illustration out. And, and we'll, let's go ahead and look at it, starting in verse 15. And this is uh, our Lord speaking. He says, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, uh, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall, be those thing, whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And he said unto the, his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies. How they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so cl uh, clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. 
but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that felleth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now for months, I don't know exactly when this schedule came out that uh, he wanted me to, to teach on this, and he, uh, uh, Pastor Mike was telling me why he wanted me to teach. Uh, sometime last year, early last year, uh, we were talking, and I was telling him, I, I was praying about just, um, just getting rid of stuff, just making my life simple. We were talking about just the, the things that we accumulate, just that's one more road or one more avenue of stress in your life is, is all the accumulation that you have. And I'm, ever since I started pastoring, I've been dealing with stress. Uh, I've, I've actually been to the doctors and stuff because of stress. Um, and it about killed me. It really did. And I, so I just started trying to find different avenues where I can just relieve stress without taking Valiums, you know. And uh, that's my next step, I'm telling you. But... Uh, <laughs> So I was, I was just trying to figure out different things, and I can't remember if I was listening to a, a podcast or something about uh, decluttering and, and, and how, that, uh, how that helps. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll give it a shot. What do I got to lose? Just stuff, you know. My, my brother says, you can always come up with $200. You can always come up with, you know, whatever it is you want to get at the, you know, at the moment. But uh, so I've been thinking about it throughout these months, and, uh, and I finally come to this, this in Luke. Uh, I have no idea how I got to it. I just remember uh, I started in Romans. I know that. And how I got in Luke, I have no idea, but I did. And I, I saw this. And, uh, but I got three points for you this morning. Hopefully uh, you get something out of it. Uh, number one is the world. The world. Or physical possessions. Physical possessions. This is seen in uh, verses 12 through 19. Uh, in, in verse 15, our Lord uses the word called, or uses the word covetousness. Covetousness. Just beware. That, that word means inordinate desires. What does that mean? Well, it, that means uh, the love of accumulation. Not what you're accumulating, but just the love of accumulation. You know how it is at birthday parties, Christmas time, that you, you don't care what the gift is, you just want to open a gift. Anybody else like I, I know people like that. They want the more gifts, the merrier. It can be Dollar Tree stuff. They don't care. They just want to open something. I mean, I, I know people like that. That's what this is. The love of accumulation, not what you're accumulating. All right? So he tells this, this guy here, he says, beware of covetousness. And today, Christ is speaking to you and I. And these pages here. Let me say this before I get started. You'll get zilch from this lecture if you're not being honest with yourself. This morning, we, we've got to be honest with where we stand in our Christianity right now. Not where we used to be. Not how we got started. Not the where we were 10 years ago in our Christianity. Uh, there's a lot of pastors I know that, that preach that I listen to uh, in, their, in their senior years. All their stories are about what they did. And you, and you start wondering, well, what are they doing? 
we, it's great that we may have had a great start in our Christian race, but the start's not as important as the finish. And we'll never finish if we're not constantly pursuing the finish line. We've got to continue in our race. So you've got to be honest with yourself. Where are you at in your spiritual realm uh, uh, with God right now this morning? Where are you at? You've got to be honest with yourself. These questions that I'm going to ask, they're to help you in your, your reach, your obtaining of holiness in your life. That's what this uh, conference is about. Uh, I, we were talking, me and Pastor Mike was talking uh, the other day uh, at Chick-fil-A, and we both agreed, and Brother Corey too, about how much we need this in our own lives and how much we, I mean, it's, it's just exciting for me to talk about this because not only do I need it in my life, I want my church to, to kind of get this, the, you know, the aha moment. I, I want them to get it. I want y'all to get it. We need this. We need holiness. We need, uh, we need some accountable Christians in this world. The, this world needs to see some true, genuine Christians. They, 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 they see the Joel Olsteins. They see whoever else is out there. You just put, put their name there. They see them. They need to see some genuine, authentic Christians that are Bible-believing, Bible-living Christians. You say, well, what does simplicity have to do with being a Bible-believing Christian, being a, being, being a holy Christian? It's got a lot to do with it. If you, if you just listen uh, and, and just take what I'm saying as that I'm not trying to be mean this morning. I'm not trying to, 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 to hurt anyone's feelings. Uh, uh, please, I'm not trying to come across that way. Uh, you got to remember also that honesty sometimes has a way of feeling like sandpaper r- rubbing against your feelings. Yeah. It does. All right? So this morning... The first question I want you to write down is, are you covetous? Are you covetous? And with that, put, put down there in parentheses, what are your distractions? What are your distractions? I want to give you some personal examples. Uh, Preacher Mike was, was saying some things about what I started implementing in my life. Uh, I, I don't have many other people's uh, examples. I got my own, so I'll give you my own. Um, last year, early last year, uh, debating on what I needed to do, and I thought, well, I'll just start uh, start with my, my clothes closet. I'm a goodwill shopper. Can I get amen? Yeah. Uh, why pay full price when you can get 10 things for that price? You know? And, and I'm picky, too, when I shop at goodwill. I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for name brand, no stains, no rips, no, you know, I, I, I don't just pull off the rack. I, I look, I inspect, I check. And, but I accumulated throughout the years clothes. And I, I mean, I had stuff in You couldn't even put your hand through the closet. You know, there's that much stuff. So I, I told my wife, and she's all for me getting rid of stuff in the closet. That way she's got more room in it because we share one. She's all for it. You need some help, you let me know. You know. See, you know, we went to Lowe's, got some boxes, those moving boxes. And I started going through everything, all my closet. And, of course, I don't have it four or five suits, so I kept them. But I need them for work. Then I went through my dress shirts, my dress pants, my leisure or everyday stuff. I, well, I got down to two pairs of jeans, 
three or four t-shirts that I, that I wear. Just a, four or five of these dress shirts. I mean, I could tell you everything. I could tell you the colors and everything I got in my closet. I'm down to that. I'm, I mean, I had, I had probably two dozen dress pants. Half of them I didn't wear. I got four or five now. You see, you say, why did you do that? I had, a, I had an addiction problem, for one thing, of uh, buying clothes. You know, I, you know how much money I've saved since last year? I, I don't, if I go to Goodwill, it's because uh, my wife dragged me there, and I'm just looking around until she gets done. But I got rid of all that stuff. I put them in boxes. I told my wife, I said, I'm put these out in the building. Actually, I put them out in my office outside. And I said, I get, you know, give me a couple of weeks, a month or so, see if I have any withdrawal symptoms. I don't want to get rid of them just yet. You know, you know, just want to make sure. And so she's like, all right, that's fine. Uh, within a week or so, she, uh, she texted me. She said, I was at work. She said, so-and-so is looking for some clothes. I think you're about the same size he is. You, can we, you know, you got some out there. Can, can I give them to him? And I thought, I reckon, yeah, go ahead. I'm, I've not had, you know, I'm fine. Uh, I, I've noticed within the first, even the first week, going to my closet, seeing everything I had there, knowing I had little to choose from, and so I per, it pretty much made the choice for me. I, I, got, I loved it. I love not having to look, knowing in my head what I'm going to wear. But when I go out with my wife, I know what I'm wearing. When I, when I go into church, I know what I'm wearing. There's no decision making there. There isn't. I, I, I found out that I love that fact. It's less stress for me. Well, I, little did I know, I've forgotten I had, I mean, I had brand new uh, dress shirts with ties because a belt had a clearance. That I think I paid 7 or $10 a piece when I had like four or five of those, not even more yet, in those boxes. She gave everything to that guy, to, the, to that family. And then, uh, she got a text from him. Boy, he sure does appreciate what, what she gave him. I'm thinking, wait a minute, what did I have in there? <laughs> yeah, no wonder. Well, she gave everything away, so, so she kind of helped me in getting rid of my stuff for me, which, hey, it turned out all right. But I'm telling you, that's what wives are good for. They help you out, don't they? But so I, clothing was one thing. And then I thought, well, if that, that weren't there, my next, my next problem, which was a bigger problem than clothing, but I just didn't want to get to it, was books. I love books. I had, I had every bit, uh, they say a library, of, uh, an, an actual library will consist of a thousand books or more. So I probably had a library, if not, uh, if not more than that, in books. And, uh, and they were overflowing into the church. Uh, I was using the church as a storage facility for my, lab, for, for my books in my office at the church. And uh, I mean, I, I, I collected books. Uh, I still today, I will not refuse a book. Anybody wants to give me a book, I'll take the book. But I have different rules now with what I do with them. But, I mean, I had books, stuff I'll never read, but I collected the authors because one day I thought if I may need them, I'll have it. I went through, I had commentaries upon commentaries upon Bibles. I, I'm down, and this is good, I'm down to 12 Bibles. I, how many did you have? You don't want to know. <laughs> you don't want to know. I, I had, you, you know... That was probably the hardest one of, of the books, was getting rid of my Bibles. I'm thinking, all right, 
I may need something out of this one more than this one. I put it, I think about it a little bit more, I pray about it, you know. But it, it was hard for me. I, I got down to, in my office at home, I've got a double two-foot shelf that I, I built on the wall. There's four-foot worth of space there. That's where I got my commentaries and all my other books. And I, I make myself a rule if I'm, when it's full, there's no more stacking stuff and squeezing stuff in. And the shelves I got, I've got shelves all the way up and down on both sides of the wall. That's none of that stuff's mine. That's my wife's stuff. So that's hers. I don't, I'm not allowed to touch that area. You know how it is. So, so my rule is if I've got a book that won't fit in there and I want to keep that book, I've got to get another book out and get rid of it. Exchange. Just like I, um, um, but that's what I do. I, I don't, and a lot of times, well, what I'm doing at the church is I'm building the library for the church. So the books that I, I, I get from people I think will be a good book for the library, I keep it there until I have time to build shelves and get that stuff done. But at the house, I don't have but so many books. I, I, and it's not the amount of books, it's the amount of books that, that fit on that shelf. And so that's, that's my rule. Uh, you wouldn't believe how much money I've saved uh, going to bookstores now. You wouldn't believe how much money I saved by not buying books that I'm not reading. And today, I, I do have a, a bag of, of books that I, I buy that I think other people might would want to read. I do that still. Because um, I'm always finding great books cheap. A dollar, two dollars. I'm always looking for a deal for a book that I can maybe give maybe to the swordsman meeting or, or to a friend at work or, or somebody that's asking me questions about something specific. specific. I want to give them a book. But I do that now. But I have, a, I have a rule with my books. And so that's two areas of physical cluttering that I've decluttered in my life. And let me tell you, the clothing wasn't, wasn't hard. I, 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 was, I was impressed with how easy that was to get rid of that and, and not, to, not to worry about it no more. Uh, if, if, I, uh, if I go on vacation or something and I, I see a shirt or something I want to get, I have to think which shirt I'm going to get rid of when I buy it because I'm not going to accumulate any more than what I got. And so that helps me decide whether or not I really want that shirt or not. So that's how I do things now. Um, and it's, it's great. I save a lot of money that way. Um, now, if I can just get work on my pen collection. <laughs> I love pens and journals. Um, I haven't quite conquered that one yet. I, I could write now to a doomsday and not run out of pens. And I, different colors and whatnot, I, I just love pens. I, I don't know what the deal is with that, but that's my next area that I gotta work with. But that, that's just it. I was accumulating things just to accumulate it. They were a distraction for me. The books that I bought was a distraction. I got to thinking, what is it could I be doing with that money that I can't do with it because I've wasted it on something I'm just storing up? Well, not, not only that, I started taking things that I've, that I've collected over the years, knives. I love knives. And, and, and I just started taking this stuff to work and I had a shelf in my office, and I opened the door up, and I put all my collection of stuff up there, knives, 
belt buckles, you name it, uh, just different things I've collected over the years. I put it up there, and people start, you know, mechanics and drivers, what you got, you know, what's going on there? Give me a price. Take, take it all. Just give me a price. And I started selling this stuff. And, and I'm talking about things I've had since I was a kid. I, I got, because I'm very sentimental. I'm a, I'm a sentimental fella, and, you know, I'll keep something for, you know, my grandfather gave that to me, or my dad. I'm like, and I got to thinking, yes, it comes with a good memory, but I got a better memory of, 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 of those that won't never leave me. Well, I don't have to keep this in order to have a, a good memory of them. So I just started getting, it was hard. Don't get me wrong. It was, especially as sentimental as I am, it was hard for me to get rid of a lot of that stuff. But I, I mean, I, I, I ended up, I kept a uh, soapbox that my grandmother gave me. She worked for Procter & Gamble. And it was a uh, ivory soapbox that they would give uh, every year for Thanksgiving. They would give her a, a gift basket, and that's it came in that box. And so she gave each of the grandkids one. So I kept that, and I said, if anything I can, I want to keep that I can put in that little box, I'll keep it and put it in there. So I've got like four or five items that I've kept uh, in there, and everything else uh, I'd got rid of or attempted to get rid of. I, I mean, I had World War II coins that I collected, uh, other. Uh, different types of coins and stuff. I, I love I love that kind of historical stuff. But I just got rid of all of it. And I got thinking, you know, with with my focus needing needing to be on this, I, I'm distracting myself by collecting things. I'm distracting myself by buying these things and collecting things. And get back on what I was saying. I was wasting money when look. Here in America, we are very blessed. With, you know, even, even the low-paying jobs are being, are, we're being paid better than what those third-world countries are getting paid. Right. And I got to thinking, you know, I could, I could support a missionary with what I waste. I, I could give to the church with the money I'm wasting. Do I really need another knife? I mean, it wasn't nothing for me to spend 50 bucks on a, on a nice pocket knife case or something. And I got thinking that that money could be used for eternal good, not for uh, um, gratification, self-gratification for that that just lasts for just a moment. And so I started doing. I started thinking how I was wasting these things, uh, these these this money and this time and this and, and causing myself distress. And I started finding avenues of getting rid of this stuff. All right, that's my personal illustration there. Think with me. What is it that you've accumulated or what is it that you are accumulating that is a distraction to you with God? What is it? I know some ladies like shoes and they, I mean, they buy, they, they're always buying shoes, shoes to master their uh, outfits. And so they got 40, 50, 60. I know some women have 90 pairs of shoes or more. I don't know where you keep them at. I mean, I really don't, but hey, that's teach their own as far as what they accumulate. But does what you accumulate take away from what you could be doing or giving to God? Think with me. I'm not. I'm not trying to tell you I'm a, a, a super Christian. Anybody that knows me, Brother Eddie knows me. He he knows uh, I have faults. I'm not a super Christian, but I I do want to. I do want to see areas in my life. Where I could, uh, I could make better choices that are going to be eternal. That would be beneficial for eternal. Uh, 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 my choices be eternal benefit. 
so to speak. But we've got to find out where are we accumulating things in our lives that's making a distraction for us from God, from things eternal. What is it? I put down here, I said some, some of us could be supporting missionaries every month with the money that we waste on stuff that we don't have to have. We, Amazon is killing us. You know what? I, I, went, I went from having, I had, what do they call those wish lists, I think, on Amazon? I had four or five at one time. Yeah, it, it's books. I can't remember what the other stuff was. Well, anyway, main one was books, and I think I had subcategories for it. It's gone. It's gone. You know, I, I was getting uh, letters from Amazon. Are you okay? You know, <laughs> do we need to send somebody out there? You know, but I'm telling you, we we've got to we've got to find out where we're wasting our money and our time and declutter those areas. We've got to declutter. Then the second point underneath this one, in verse 19, he, the rich man said he was going to eat, drink, and be merry. Eat, drink, and be merry. What's this? This is being self-centered. This is self-gratifying. Me, me, me. Ah, ah, ah. Question here. Look at yourself and find out if you're self-centered. Find out if you're if you love to self-gratify. Now, that, that's, a natural, that's a natural thing that we do, but do you have that habit of being self-centered? Do you have that habit of being self-gratifying? Examples, uh, money. Do we give to the church? Another example is time. Do we have time for others? The world says it's all about you. It's all about your needs. It's all about your desires. It's all about... Uh, uh, blaming others for your failures. It's your parents' fault. They didn't leave you a, a big enough inheritance. I'm going to leave my kids bills. What I'm going to do. <laughs> that, that way they, they keep me on life support as long as possible, you know. So what's the solution to this? Is, is to decline yourself of being self-centered and self-gratifying. To decline in those areas. God says it's not about yourself, it's about others. It's not about yourself, it's about others. Others' needs, others' food, clothing, and shelter. I challenge you. Next time you're at church, look at these young people that are there. See which ones are wearing wore-out shoes, duct tape wrapped around them. You, you, there may be, may not be some there that are like that. Look at the ones that, that you know their, their clothes are tattered. Find out what size they wear. Find something for them. Give it to the church and have the church give it to them. I'm telling you, you've got the opportunity to, to, to help somebody out. We've got the opportunity to be selfless. We've got opportunities in our lives to, to change somebody's future. Some people have kids that really look up to them. And, and I mean, there, there are certain people that, that they, they just have that that aurora about them that people just worship the ground they walk on. If, you, if, you, if you're like that, take time to mentor. Now, now, some of you say, well, nobody likes being around me. Well, you, you might want to take time to, to figure out why, why that is. But take time to mentor someone. Take, don't, don't be all about yourself 
find out what, what the people that, that look up to you, what issues they're facing. Give them a book. I, I, I love giving people books. What they do with them, I have no idea. They could be using them to, to level up their bed or something. I don't know, but I give books out. But take time to mentor. God says it's about other people's desires. Help people ex excel in their faith. Help people excel in their faith. I like that. Um, I like books that have good quotes in them. And I like putting that type of, not always, I do scripture a lot, but I, there's sometimes I, I use quote, good quotes that I put up above my door at work. For people to read when they walk by, I have a, I have hundreds of people go by where I work at uh, at my office, uh, drivers, dock employees, uh, um, people come by. I, I won't even see them because the place is open 24 hours a day. But I know they stop and read that because I I've, I've you know I've had to ask them. Excuse me, I got to get in my office. You know they're out there reading something in front of my door, so I know they're reading it. But just. Any which way you can, find some way to build someone up. Find some way, some way to, to leave a track wherever you go. I, I, I teach my, my people that, and, and I, I love the fact that I see them grabbing tracks out to, to take with them to whatever it is they do with them. But give them the gospel. Give them something, give them something encouraging. Give somebody something encouraging to, 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 to read or to, to see or to tell them something encouraging throughout the day. Then realize also that it's nobody's fault when, when we're up to debt, up to our eyeballs in debt. You know whose fault it is when, when you can't pay for something and you've got to give it back? It ain't your boss's fault for not giving you the extra time or for laying you off. It's your fault. We, we've got to realize, we've got to own up. We, we can't keep up with the Joneses. I can't keep up with them. I am a Jones. I can't even keep up with them. <laughs> My goodness. Like, I got to tie my shoes, y'all. You know, let me give me give me a breath. We we don't have to keep up with others. Then number two is the will. The will. This is seen in verses twenty through twenty-eight. And I got beside this under the will or beside the will. What are you actively thinking upon? What are you actively thinking upon? Verse twenty. The Lord says, "Thou fool." Thou fool. A fool here is one who thinks that their comfort and peace can depend on temporal things. Your comfort or peace can depend on temporal things. That's a fool. My question is, are you foolish? Are you foolish? How, do, how, how am I supposed to answer that question? Well, think with me. Does worldly things take up most of your time? Does worldly things take up most of your time? Do you concern yourself more on the latest fashion? How much time do you spend on social media? Let me stop right there. Back when, oh man, I don't even know what year it was. Probably 2011, 2012. Uh, I had Instagram when it first came out. Can you believe that? I, uh, my wife set me up with a... I'm not very literate. I, I may use iPad, but I use Word document is what I use. But she set me up that, set me up with Twitter. And boy, I was, I was tweeting, I was gramming, you know, I was doing all that stuff. 
And I spent so much time, I spent hours of time on, on Twitter and, and Instagram. Never had Facebook. Uh, that's just too deep for me, too technical. But I spent hours. You, preacher, you, you kidding me. I'm not. I realized one day I'm spending more time on this stupid phone tweeting and getting mad at somebody over what they said about something and re rebuking them and, and calling them every name in the book, bless their hearts, uh, and, and than I was spending with God. I told my wife, I said, I got to stop this. It, it was addictive. It, I, I, I kid you not, it was very addictive for me. I, I love arguing with people. Twitter's a good place to do it, too. So I had to quit. I had to stop. So as far as I know, I don't have a Twitter. If I, if I got one, it's dormant. Uh, that's the word for it. Uh, I know the Instagram's off. And I think my wife took over my, my Twitter account. And at one time, she was posting for me uh, for scripture stuff. But as far as I know, I don't even know if she does that for me anymore. But it's been years. It's been years since I've had that. My name is Matthew Jones. I have a social media problem. Yeah. Well, we got to find out. Do you, do you have a problem with social media? I got a problem with it. So when I say, if you need to get rid of it, don't think I'm being pharisaical. Know that I'm, like, a, like an al alcoholic would say, you don't need to be drinking. I'm... I've been in your shoes as far as having a problem with social media. You don't need that. You don't need to go down that route. You don't need to, you don't need to, to waste your time. Look, the hours that I spent there, I can't get back. I, I, I tell people at work that, that you, there's always somebody at work that likes to waste your time. You, you know, somebody came to your mind. And I tell them, I mean, I can walk by this one guy's office and, hey, Matthew, I wasn't looking for him. He wasn't looking for me. He just looking for somebody to talk to. You know, the first couple of times you stop and he's like, all right, well, I got to get back. You know, I got to get back to work. It got to the point it was like, email me. I ain't got time. Just, if you got a question, just email me. Call me, email, you know, don't even call me. Just email me. He said, are you serious? Do I look serious? Yes. I don't have time. I've got work to do. You may have, you know, you may not want to do your job, but I want to do my job. So, so distractions. You got to find out where these distractions are. What do you spend your time with social media? Is it more time on social media than it is with God? Let me tell you something. You say, well, that's not fair, brother. You add up, do, do this, do this. I'm going to give you more benefit of the doubt here. The time you spend reading your Bible, all right, write that down, the, the amount of time you spend reading, the amount of time you spend in your devotion, whatever that devotion is, the amount of time you spend in your prayer, and, I'm going to give you this one, the amount of time you spend thinking about God throughout the day, all that together, if that doesn't equal to what you spend on social media, you're spending more time on social media than you need to be. Okay? I'm giving, you, I'm giving you a lot more than, uh, I mean, I could just say uh, how much you read in your Bible, but I know a lot of people don't spend that much time reading for one reason or another. But if you're, if you're spending more time on social media than you are thinking and doing the things of God, 
then I say you have a problem with social media. What is it that captivates your mind? What is it that captivates your mind? And number two under this one, under the mind, is consider. He, our Lord says consider twice in verse 24 and verse 27. First he says consider the ravens. Then he says consider the lilies. Uh, consider means to think meticulously about something usually before a decision is made. To really ponder on something. All right, to consider. He says, consider how the ravens, how, look, look at how God takes care of them. I, I've never seen a, a, a raven with an eviction notice. Right. I've never seen one with a, you know, with a, a stick and a little you know, bandana with some food wrapped around it on, on his wing there, and he's flying because he got kicked out of somewhere. Man kick him out. But God's taking care of, look, God's taking care of the animals. He's taking care of the, the plant life. We've not done such a good job with it, but God has taken care of it. Look, God took care of mankind. Do you realize that God created, the reason why we were the last things he created is because everything else before us was created for us. Everything. You say, what was the, 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 the moon and stars, uh, what were they created for? They were created for our enjoyment. There are some people out there who love astronomy. And it just tickles them to, to be able to see that. And, and, and just, look, I enjoy uh, being able to go out in the country somewhere and seeing a pitch dark uh, night with, a, with it lit up with beautiful uh, stars. Getting a telescope out there and finding Saturn for the first time. That was great. God made all those things, and he's taking care of all these things. Consider them. Let me ask you something. Does anyone here have to worry about their next meal? I remember first got married. Probably about a year or so into our marriage, we, Alicia and I both were working for the church where we was going, and we didn't have nothing. I mean, we didn't have anything to our name. And, uh, and it was a Sunday afternoon. We got back from the bus route. We, you know, we picked kids up for, for Sunday up for the church, and we just got back from, the, uh, from Stoneville from where we was dropping them off got back to the house and realized uh, we didn't have nothing in the, in the pantry. I mean, it was bone dry. The refrigerator was bone dry. I'm thinking, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. The, the, wasn't even no use looking in the wallet. I know, I know what was in there. Moth. So I, I told us, we, we, let's just pray and ask God for help. We got, no sooner we got done praying, I got a phone call. Had a landline back then. Didn't have a we knew what cell phones were, didn't have one. So we got a phone call, it was my mom. She said, won't y'all come on over to the reunion? There ain't but a dozen people here, and they made food enough for three dozen. I'm like, well, yeah. You, ain't gotta you, know, you don't have to ask me twice. Uh, and uh, it was, they actually, I, I've for completely forgotten about the reunion, or they didn't tell me one. But whatever it was, they was having it that day, uh, and it was actually moved to a place a lot closer to where I was living at. So I went, and we had enough food to eat and bring home. They gave us leftovers for three days. You know what was significant about having three days worth of food? We got paid on Wednesday. God provides. God provides. I was talking to Alicia about that the other day, and she said, yeah, I remember that. It's kind of hard to forget. You see, you know, see God's hand working like that in your life. But consider the ravens. Consider how God takes care of his 
what, of his creation, what he's done. Then B, he said, consider the lilies. Mankind, I put down, mankind is the only creature that will worry about something that hasn't happened yet. Mankind is the only creature that God's created that will worry about something that hasn't happened. I was telling you, all, all the illustrations I got is personal. I'm sorry. I, I don't like using myself, but uh, these, when they come up like they do, they, they work. But I was telling you, I, was, I deal with stress a lot. And I was going to the doctor. They wanted me to, to have an MRI done. They was thinking it was something pretty major going on. You talk about scared. You talk, I mean, I didn't know what to do. I remember getting that MRI done. I remember I was thinking to myself, I'll do some praying while, you know, during the MRI. That way, you know, you can't pray. <laughs> have you, anybody else been having an MRI done? You cannot pray. You can't even concentrate. It sounds like you're being uh, uh, abducted by aliens. I mean, just the, the noise is so loud and, and changes every few seconds. I couldn't concentrate. I, I, this is all I could do. Lord, you've got to help me. And you've got to be still. But during that time of getting, after the, getting that done, and then the couple of days prior, I wasn't sure when the results were going to come in. I, I, I debated on what I needed to do. And then I finally, finally I told God, I said, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I'm yours fixed. I'm yours broken. Either way, I'm yours. I said, God, you called me to preach. I plan on doing it until I can't physically do it anymore. So I'll do it with this disease. And I'll do it without it. However you want me to do it, Lord, I'll do it. God had to get me there. He had to get me there. I wasn't there five years prior to that. I couldn't have said that five years prior. God worked on me. And I had to get, out, get things, declutter my mind of these earthly things and realize what was important. It wasn't my job at, at Estes. That wasn't important. It was doing the will of God to the best of my ability for as long as he allows me. God had to show me what was important in my life. And thank God, when I got the news, I was all right. You talk about doing a shouting spell. I was at work when I got that. I, I had to go outside. I had to go outside. People thought I was crazy. They still think I'm crazy. But I'm telling you, God had to get me to see the importance of eternity, of what we do here needs to be eternal-focused. What, when we get to heaven, what's the social media stuff going to be, what's it going to amount to? Because he said, she said, uh, about what they wanted to do was different from what I said, and then what, what I said was, wasn't, wasn't really accurately recorded from what they said I said. You know, who cares? You know what? I don't know who says anything about me anymore because I don't see it no more. They could call me every name in the book. So be it. I probably am. But what does that matter in the, in the scope of eternity? God had to show me that I need to start thinking, well, like I said, with my eternal eyesight. 
And that's what we need. Decluttering not just our physical possessions, but our mental space. You've got to replace all that clutter that you get rid of mentally with something spiritual. So if God can supply the lilies of the field, what is it that you think he can't do for you? What is it you think he can't do for you? What are you truly worried about this morning? I put down a mind that a mind full of worry does not have room for God. A foolish mind does not have any time for God. Where's your faith? The number three. Let me give you this quick. Number three is worship. Verses 29 through 34. Seek means to strive after. He says, verse 31, to seek means to strive after. Adam Clark says this, Grace is the way to glory. Holiness is the way to happiness. Grace is the way to glory. Holiness is the way to happiness. Now, to obtain grace is to receive salvation. To obtain grace is to receive salvation. To obtain holiness is to receive satisfaction in your salvation. You want to be holy? Be satisfied in your salvation. What happens when we're not satisfied in our marriage, adults? What happens when a spouse isn't satisfied with their mate? They go looking for something else, don't they? What happens to a Christian when they're not satisfied with their salvation? They start looking for the world to satisfy them. Number two, treasure your heart. Oh, excuse me, your treasure in your heart. Verse 34. Your treasure in your heart. This, this morning, at what point in your life will you be willing to give God all of your heart? Let me say this. I don't, I don't mean this hurtfully. But I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest with God. If you realize you see that you have a problem with social media and you're not willing to give it up, at least be honest with God about it and be honest with yourself. Tell God, God, right now, you're number two in my life. You're not number one. Number one is my social media account. Just be, I mean, I'm just saying be honest with yourself and be honest with God. God already knows. Whatever it is. The possessions that, you like, that you'd like to accumulate, God, that's more important to me right now than you. Just be honest. Be honest. When you're willing to give God all your heart, it includes all your possessions. It includes your mind. Now I end with this. The key to the Christian life is being satisfied with Jesus. The key to the Christian life is being satisfied. I'm talking about satisfied in every aspect of your life with Jesus. And I've got three questions for you to, to work on for your assignment. Question one, what can you live without? What can you live without? What is it that you have that you can live without? It can be anything. What can you live without? You know, if I stop buying all these, I could probably have a little extra money to give this missionary. I'm big on missionary support. I'm very big on... Look, they're, doing, they're out there in the field, and since COVID, a lot of churches have cut out missionaries over these years. And that's a shame. They can't just come back whenever they need to, to to find more money. That takes months and years. So they're having to do without. 
It has to do without. Number two, who can you live without? You know, there are some, some friends that we just don't need to have. Some friends, all they do is cause conflict. Some friends, they're just ungodly. I had a friend in high school. My best friend smoked pot. My be and I was a Christian. He knew I was a Christian. He knew I didn't do that kind of stuff. But yet, I still hung out with him like an idiot. He not only smoked it, he sold it. His parents gave it to him to sell at school. But by the grace of God, I didn't, I didn't do any of that stuff. But by the grace of God. That's poor decision making on my end. What, who can you live without? Who causes stress in your life that you can live without that stress? Cut ties with them. Now if it's your spouse, let me, let me reiterate this. You, want, you, 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 may want the, uh, you may want to go to some marriage counseling. All right? Then number three, where can you live without? I know this is poor English, but where can you live without? What places causes you carnality in your life is what I'm getting at. You say, well, I love going to this place, and you put that in there on vacation. I love going here every year on vacation. But when I get back, I just... But while I'm there, I don't never read my Bible, don't ever, don't ever do my devotion. I just get backslidden when I when I get back. Just so backslidden when I get. Well, that tells me you don't need to go. Well, I like to go here after work. Husbands, it better be home. Wives, it better be home. I, I just like hanging out here. I like the de-stress here. Well, does it does it build your Christian life, or does it cause you to be carnal? Where is it? Can you live without? In your life. Those three questions for your further study. All right, we'll have the uh, guys all come up. Well done, Brother Matthew. I thank you for sharing a lot of those personal stories. And I tell you, don't ever worry about sharing your personal stories because you're, you're going to tell they're going to be the most impactful. All right, so I've got a couple of questions here, and uh, we'll go through these. Some of you have one you want to ask openly and out loud, that'll be fine too. But uh, here's a question. All right, so Matthew, it sounds like, uh, and this one will come from me. I'm going to ask one. So it, it sounds to me like you just perfectly described any type of addiction, okay? And when I was making some notes earlier, you, you said um, the things you were talking about, it, to me it, it made me think it sounds like this is an attachment that happens at the soul level. And I'm talking about this desire to accumulate things, just to, to have more. Um, I don't remember exactly what you said, but, but basically, we don't necessarily, it's not even about the things, it's just about getting more stuff. And so it sounds like it's an addiction. And you said I had, that you had a motivation in your life which was less stress, which I think helps. That can be a help in, in dealing with it. But if it is an addiction, and by the way, few minutes later you said it was an addiction in my life I had an addiction to buying clothes um, so if it is an addiction what's going to break that what are the tools that will break the addiction in a person's life about uh, addiction of his own that he has and how that Christ said your eye fin you cut it off your right hand fin you cut it off he says how literal does that need to be I said whoa son don't cut, 
don't dismantle your body. I said that Christ, Christ was getting at uh, how how uh, extreme we need to be in our attack against the addiction, not that we actually have to physically cut something off. I said, uh, I said what you need to do is, I said, get you a journal. Uh, find out every time you fail, every time you, you catch yourself in this addiction, find out what steps led you to that addiction. And then cut that out in your life. I said, then it's going to happen again. I said, and write those steps, how you got to where you're at in that addiction that, that next time and find out the steps and cut those steps out. I said, I said you're, going to, you're going to be extreme in this. You've got you to gotta, uh, find out. It's, uh, addiction works on your feelings. You're going to find out how to curb those feelings for that addiction, and you're going to replace it also. You can't just stop the addiction and not replace it with something. Uh, you've got to replace it with something that's, that's morally good, that's, that's morally good for you, but also what is spiritually good for you. And I, my, my personal thought is always replace a bad addiction with something spiritual, um, whether it be uh, listening to something or watching something spiritual or reading something spiritual, not necessarily just the Bible, but that's, that's always a great area to go to. Uh, but uh, but replacing it or hanging out with someone more spiritual than you are, um, and uh, just being able to replace that addiction with something, and then if you if you if you find yourself thinking about it, quit. Find something else to think about. You know, just change your habits. Change change what gets you to that addiction is is what I was telling him or explaining to him. Okay. Do you uh, do you guys uh, see that point that to me that this this whole thing of accumulation and getting more stuff and buying and, and, and consuming, all of it comes back to addiction. I mean, it, it's got all the it's got all the similarities of uh, of an alcoholic, of um, you know a drug user, uh, pornography, any of it, right? It's it's trying to feel something inside the the soul. So obviously God is the answer. He is filling up the heart. So it's the, it's the old wisdom of St. Augustine. I think it was Augustine who said that we must be emptied of the things which fill us so that we may be filled with the things we are empty of. So the, the, the big, big takeaway, I think, from this whole discussion on simplicity is I am trying to free up space in my life, whether it's physical space, mental space, uh, emotional space, relational space. I'm trying to free up space, and to your point, I'm going to fill that space back with God and His gifts, the things that He has blessed me with, rather than the things that I went out out of lust and covetousness and inquired. Here you go, um, Brother Matthew. With in terms of of freeing up space and and clutter in different capacities, I think. The question is, with so many good things, such as podcasts and Christian social media accounts, how do I keep from spending so much time on my phone? Select a, uh, a certain amount of time that you're willing to spend on it that you think it's not too excessive, and make sure it's the right things that you're spending. There's nothing wrong with a social media account if you, like any other uh, electronic device or or, uh, or, or form like that, TV or whatever, if you're using it for the right purpose. Just like the iPad I use, I, I, I spend hours on it, but I'm typing, I'm looking, I've got e-books and, and other things like that, or I'm researching something for my, for my preaching, 
my sermons. Uh, if you're using it for the right purpose, I don't see there's a, really a, a problem being on it for hours. But it's when you start being carnal or that, that everybody knows what it feels like when sin winks at you. It's when that, when sin begins to wink, and you hadn't sinned yet, but it's just winked at you, that's when you know, all right, it's time to go. It's time to, it's time to leave. It's time to stop. You put it up. Well, I think what you did was you, you just took the, uh, the guilt and the burden off of that. I, I know this, however many years ago it was, and I was never real good at using the iPhone anyway, but when I removed, when I took off the email and took the, the alerts off of uh, even the texting and, and stuff and, and took off a few apps that I had and just, you know, and of course, you know, I never got into tweeting although I have thought about it a lot because it sounds cool. But a lot of stuff, but here's the thing that happened. Then I, to this question, discovered podcast, and you might have been the one that got me on it originally. My actual, the, my phone usage time went up even after I had eliminated all that other stuff that used to be a distraction. You know, it was a distraction. I was more times drawing me to that phone to, to look, and, to, and then it would pull me out of whatever situation I was in whoever I was supposed to be engaging with, you know, you know how it is. You're having a conversation one-on-one, -on -one, we're talking about something important, and they're getting pinged, and they're like, hey, hold on, hold on, let me get this, hold on, hold on, let me get this. What? And uh, so anyway, but then I noticed that my phone usage time went up, but I found that that usage time when it's happening is driving or mowing the yard or like during workouts. So it's become more efficient use of the phone, and it's it's become edifying. Build the efficiency in how you use it, and don't feel guilty for making use of the tools that are there. Yes. So my question is, outside of social media, um, if you feel that you need a break from those things, which I recently have, um, is there a balance between creating space from those things, but with everything being so saturated online, how do you stay informed about things you need to stay informed on? Not being ignorant to what's going on around you, because I've, for me, the struggle has been, I have so much peace in knowing that I needed to be off of those things. It's given me clarity and peace internally, but I feel like I'm living under a rock and I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So is there a balance to that? Well, you guys might want to jump on that. I think that was directly coming off of your statement, but I was actually listening to a podcast one day this week while I was mowing, and um, it was Henry Nowen. So, you know, it's back in the 80s probably or 90s. But he made a statement, and he was talking about how, you know, back then, of course, it's about watching the news, and people would watch the news. And he mentioned some sort of coup going on in Russia whenever this was, and he said that he was sitting there glued to the television for hours. He said, as if I were the one going to make the decisions about what was happening in Russia. And he said, it occurred to me, I have nothing to do with what's happening in Russia. And so his point was, he, he left that and he said, why can we not just maybe check the news one time a week versus all day, every day, staying in it all the time. Now that doesn't directly 
maybe answer your question or completely answer your question, but I would say to you that one thing is just to release and learn to release that need to be informed. And I think that's a learned discipline too because we feel like if we don't know everything that's going on, we're going to be left behind. What I have learned in recent years is, is that the things that I absolutely need to know about, I'm going to hear about them. People are going to tell me about it or I'm going to catch a, something here or there. So I think that would just be my initial answer is, is don't feel bad about withdrawing from being in there all the time or feel like that you have to, you know, know all the events of the world. You know what, this is just Charlie Russell. You know what my advice would be to you? Enjoy being under the rock. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm 55 years old. The same news 30 years ago is the same news today. Economic crisis, political division, war, Democrats slamming Republicans, Republicans slamming Democrats, conservatives slamming liberals. It hasn't changed. It, it's, it's nothing's changed. It's, it's, it's the same. And uh, I can't remember the last time that I sat down and watched a news broadcast. It's like, like I want to echo what you just said. All you got to do is just listen. When you go to get gas, they're talking about it. When I go to the prison, those inmates don't have nothing to do but watch TV. They're talking about it. And my advice, I, I just enjoy being under the rock. Stay under there, live there if you can, because I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I've grown a little cynical. You think I've grown a little cynical? Nope, you've grown you've grown wise, sagacious. Maybe sagacious. I like that. I don't know what it means, but I'll take it. See, it's just enjoy being under the rock because while you're under the rock, having peace of mind, the world's out there drinking Maalox, popping pills. You just enjoy being under the rock. That's my advice. Yeah, very good. So I know, for me, that was a big thing was I had to come to myself, you know, that, that cutaway point because I was the type that whatever it was I was reading about, I had to glean all of it. I wanted to know the full story, the full picture, you know, and I would spiritualize it so that I was ready at all times to give a reason of any man. You know, I mean, I wanted to make sure I had all the facts so that if anybody asked me my opinion, I was well articulated in it. And I noticed that I was the one living miserable. I was the one that was constantly living aggravated. And any time I would interact with somebody that came from a different position than where I was, I was unable to actually really engage with them as a person. But they were the enemy. They were the ones that were coming from the, they were the problem. Well, you can't be a Christian and minister to that person that you're viewing as the enemy when they're actually the one that we're supposed to be bringing the life and love of Jesus to. So cutting away from all of that and getting the own, my own peace of soul and my own peace of, of mind has enabled me to now be able to interact with people just a little bit more in a patient and loving. And even if they have opinions that are different than my own, because I'm not so glued in and connected there's more room and more opening to be able to share Christ to them and to be able to, to be what I'm supposed to be to that person. And then, you know, now trying to stay with current events a little bit just to, to kind of have a general idea of what's going on. But, but I wouldn't trade the peace that comes from cutting away from it for any amount of knowledge of knowing what's going on. Because like, ultimately, my, my area involvement is my family, my church, my, my people here. 
And so if me being connected and everything else is hindering my ability to be what these folks need for me to be, then it's not worth me being plugged in and connected to ultimately have an input on things that are out of my control anyways. So this goes to one of our key things is shrink your world. And that's one of the things we're after for holiness. I know we don't live in the first century, but I mean, if we go back to the life Jesus lived, we're talking about Jesus. Nobody's had an, any more important life to live than Jesus had. And am I correct that he never traveled outside of about 30 miles of his hometown, roughly? Do you think Jesus had any idea what was going on across the Roman Empire? Do you think he cared? No, because he had a life mission. He knew what his life was about, and he sought to do his Father's will. So that's part of shrinking your world. Those are excellent questions, and I'm glad that you're asking them because it does help bring the clarity to our theme this year. Um, so, so thank you for asking those questions.